Welcome to the third edition of the Summer Racing Podcast for 2022-23. We're flying through the summer now already up to the Rainer Transport Conquering Stakes, a program that also includes the Alpha Bowl and the three-year-old trophy. I'm Matt Reid on behalf of Taz Racing and let me welcome in my sparring partner. He's an owner, he's a form student, footy coach. He does heaps, this bloke, and that's Bear Robinson. How are you, mate? G'day, Snaps. Thanks for that introduction, mate. Very nice here. I'm also got a plastering business, Robinson Plaster, if anyone needs some plastering done, but probably don't ring me before Christmas. Well, uh, we were just discussing that off air. It's a busy time of year uh, on the track and, and everything else happening, trying to get a lot done before Christmas, but we're not here to talk about that. Another big podcast, <laughs> we, we're going to touch on uh, the Golden Mile meeting. Of course, we're going to look at the Launceston program, those three features there. Our special guest is champion jockey Brendan McCool. Uh, we got Bear's brief snapper special, and we won't forget it this week, Bear. We've got to touch on the $100 strategy. Uh, you got off to a flyer on uh, Newmarket night, and, and I've got a bit of ground to make up. Little bit, but it's only early, mate. I'm sure you'll bounce back. Obviously, you're the professional amongst us, so um, I look forward to hearing what your staking plan is tonight. Don't shake your head, mate. There's nothing professional at all about <laughs> anything I do. Uh, let's start with the Golden Mile meeting in Devonport, mate. It was a pretty dirty day uh, from a personal standpoint. I, I found a lot of horses that firmed a lot in the market, but uh, they never really gave me much of a run for the ticket. Uh, the Gold Mile was, of course, won by the up-and-coming Rising Light for French-born trainer Gates and Delon, who I believe is dating Amber Keys. That's right, Yes, Bear? that's right. Yeah, that's correct. It was a really strong win. Um, Gaten obviously, has learned a lot off Johnny Keys over the last few years, and uh, the horse did have a little stint down at Seven Mile while Gaten and Amber went away on a holiday, I believe. So, um. You know, the horse is going really well. We got a gun run the other day and he 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 uh he out toughed the old war horse, Sir Simon, who I thought was a really good run with 59 kilos. So be interesting if the form stands up out of the race, because obviously it was a bit of a rough house affair. A few of the horses didn't quite get the best run in transit. So it'd be interesting to see how many back up in the race uh Friday week heading towards the Devonport Cup. Yeah, there was a bit of change mid-race, but basically one, two in the run early were Sir Simon and Rising Light, and eventually Rising Light sort of eased out of the speed battle and got the run of the race. But, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier, Bear, and and you've had a lot of history coaching footy teams, but you'd probably look at the Golden Mile like a qualifying final, the Sheffield Cup like a prelim, and then the (laughs) Devonport Cup's the granny. Obviously, you've got to get through each time, and... I think there'd be quite a lot of horses in this race that probably feel like the Devonport Cup campaigns are still on track, even though they didn't win. Yeah, I mean, that's why you get the double chance, isn't it? Finishing high enough. And a horse out of that race that I still want to follow is Dramazing. I know it was reported it was a bit disappointing, but they cop more checks in a bank at about the 600. So um, I thought it uh, still hit the line really well. And there's another one out of the race. Probably not so much from a Devonport Cup point of view, but I reckon when they get back on the grass, I reckon travelling gigolo over 2,100 metres might be one that's um, worth a little nibble. I thought it was hitting a line pretty well from well back in the field. Yeah, very much agree. Just a few running through them. My thoughts on the Golden Mile. So uh, 1.41.06 was the time. It's just over a second outside the track record. So a reasonable gallop, but just under three lengths slower than White Hawk. Uh, when winning last year. Uh, Rising Light, yeah, I thought run of the race there and the weight swing was big late. It reminded me a little bit of uh, my word is winning the Sheffield Cup last year, just got the right run. Whether he's got the out-and-out class to win a Devonport Cup probably needs to be proved. Uh, Sir Simon, just honest as the day is long. Can he win a race like the Devonport Cup, just carrying those big weights and being a sitting shot late? That's kind of the challenge for him, but... Gee, you know what you're getting with him. He's just a, an old war horse, as you say. Reward Achiever, a really good run. Maybe pocketed slightly um, when needed to be fully extended. But again, he's a horse that maybe Denport Cup is on track, although there were some earlier reports he might be, sorry, she might be reset for um, uh, the Vamos. Uh, White Hawk just has to go in everything when getting out in trip. Bloom to win again. Uh, just what a horse he is. 
Argyle Beach. I mentioned it last week, Bear. He was placed in a race that he couldn't win. He went super. He just looks all over a Longford Cup chance. Uh, Dramazing, absolutely plunged, 8.50 into 3.90. Um, pretty sick, to be honest. Inside draw, shuffled back, as you said, got spat out coming off the back straight. Looking at the sectionals here, the 600 to 400, she was bettered only by travelling Gigolo. And then the 400 to the 200, she was actually the quickest in the race. Dramazing, Dharma sort of went to the line untested late. So I thought the sectionals kind of backed up the eye a little bit and that she was unlucky. and. Um, you continue to to follow her. I'm not sure what sort of price you might start in the Devonport Cup. I think we were kind of along the same path as a lot of others in that $10 was just simply the right price, a wrong price about her. And she was backed right in. I agree. Travelling Gigolo's a, a horse on the up. Very good here. Bell Ringer Boy was kind of the same as well. I'm not sure where his race will be. He hasn't really proven uh, that he's an out-and-out stayer, but definitely got a good turn of foot when uh, the race shape allows. Shaborn Rebel, unfortunately, doesn't appear to have really come up, this prep bear, and a couple that are looking for the major cups, the risk factor and Glass Warrior will be better for the run, and, and Brendan McCool kind of alludes to that a little bit later on. Got nothing to add there, mate. I agree with everything you've said, uh, and obviously with the risk factor once it gets back to Launceston, I think we'll see the best of him there. But as I said, I think you've summarised that race very well. So we'll move on from Devonport. I thought that the support program, as we touched on when we previewed, the meeting kind of left a little bit to be desired. We'll kind of learn a bit more going forward, but I don't think we need to touch on that anymore. But uh, nice to be back in Devonport and uh, the Sheffield Cup is the next lead up there ahead of the Devonport Cup. I just mentioned the ride of the risk factor or the run of the risk factor. Brendan McCool had the steer there. He is our guest on this week's podcast, Bear. Let's have a listen to the chat with uh, one of the state's best jockeys for a long period of time. Another summer racing carnival. You've had plenty of these. Uh, How's the body holding up for you? I know you had the knee injury kept you out of action for a while. Yeah, no, it's, it's progressing pretty well. Um, I would like to think it'll just continue to get better and better, um, get a little bit of puffiness in it still, but other than that, um, it works pretty well and, and I'm feeling pretty good. Weight's not too bad for me, so, yeah, it's all, all going pretty well. Speaking of your weight, I'd see your rides in Launceston, the, the, the lowest is 57. Is that about where you're going to be for the carnival? I'd like to think I might get down a kilo lighter than that. Um, I'm sort of riding 57 and, and um, you know, in the past I've probably been, um, it's been a comfortable-ish weight for me, um, but I feel pretty good at the weight at the moment, so I feel pretty confident um, that when I need to I can get down a little bit lighter than that. All right, so the punters will take a guide. If we're seeing you get to 56, it might be a good winning chance. I'd like to think so. You never know. But, um, yeah, look, if, if obviously I'd, I, I wouldn't be taking 56 ride unless I thought it was a, a nice ride or a good chance. So, um, yeah, that might be a bit of a guide, actually. All right. Well, uh, before we get to Launceston on Wednesday night, um, just doubling back to Devonport, you had the risk factor in the Golden Mile. How did you assess him? Yeah, I thought he was fair. I, I, to be honest, I think he's he's one of those horses. He doesn't really show form until he gets over a trip. Um, I know he was first up, obviously Adam's aware of that and so he, he ran him first up over a mile which was a perfect kick off for him but um, you look back over his form he really doesn't show form until he gets over 21 so I, I thought it was a satisfactory effort. He's he's, um, been, he's been a horse that can lay in a little bit in his races and his mannerisms were pretty good so that was encouraging for him going forward but um, yeah, I think we'll see the best of him when he gets out over 2100 at least. Yeah, definitely at, at Launceston. He seems to love that track, that's for sure. Uh, terrific night of racing in Launceston uh, on Wednesday night. We'll start with the conquering. It's, it's had a few iterations over time, but looking back through the history, and this is a race you've won on a, on a few occasions, uh, Colonel Parker for Billy Ryan, 20 grand for Gary White, of course, Admiral and I'm Wesley in recent times. It's, a, it's definitely a good horse's race, and you've got the up-and-coming rebel factor in the conquering, um, I mean, he, he couldn't have done much more going into this, could he? No, look, he's been been super impressive. He's been a, a promising horse um, right through his short career. Um, 
yeah, he's 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 done everything he can do, and this is obviously his biggest test. Um, but I, I feel as though he's done enough to warrant throwing him in the deep ends. He he might be, um, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking about him in 12 months' time um, as a live chance in these races, and I, I think he's a sneaky chance in this race. But I, I think he's a horse that's going to continue to improve with a bit of age and a bit of time. He's still got a lot of upside and still got a lot of improvement. I feel, but um, he certainly. Uh, warrants plenty of thought in the field. As someone that's that's ridden this horse, particularly in recent starts, you mentioned with time. Do you have a gut feel, Brendan, around what uh, Rebel Factor's best distance may be? Is it is it shorter? Is it is it weight for age? I guess it's it's probably still a little hard to tell. Yeah, it is a bit hard to tell. He's one of those horses that he certainly sprinted really well first up over 1,100 and, and then he was good enough to win again over 1,100, but he did give me the feel last start like he would have appreciated stepping straight out to the 12 or even 14. So I've got no doubt that uh, the, the 1,400 will be um, be a nice sort of distance for him. Uh, certainly was something the, the mother was very proficient at, the sort of sprint middle distance races. So... I'd be pretty confident he'd run a very strong mile, this horse, whether he gets further than that or not, it'll be hard to say. But I, I certainly think the 1,400 will be a, a nice trip for him third up. Well, it was a diff- different iteration, but you did win a conquering back in 2013 on Rebel Bride. It didn't have listed status then, but it was still a 1,400-metre weight for age. So looking at sort of the, the race tomorrow night, Brendan, doesn't look to be a sack, stack of speed on paper and, and you've unfortunately drawn the widest marble. Have you thought about tactics for the conquering? Yeah, look, I just had a quick look. I'm initially quite disappointed at the barrier he drew. I just really thought he'd get a lovely run if he drew a gate um, and I'm not sure that he'll have the pace to sort of bounce out and scream across from the wide alley, even though, like you say, there doesn't look to be um, an immense amount of pace in the race certainly there's enough good horses in there that they're not going to let me just do what i want in the race and um it'll be no doubt a bit of a tactical race too so um yeah i'd love to think there'd be a, from that gate there'd be a bit of pressure and a bit of speed on and he'd just be able to settle back and give him his chance to track on the back of something and, and get home but at the end of the day um when the, when the race is like that, you've drawn off with, there'll be a fair bit of seeing how we bounce out the gates and um, seeing what unfolds in the first two or 300 metres. Yeah, and a, a bit of rain about in Launceston earlier this week. I, I think they've had more than we've had down in the south of the state, but um, it, it probably looks as though we'd be racing on a, at least a six, you would have thought? Yeah, well, I, I, I don't think that'll hurt his chances. Um, I, I mean, I hope we have a fair playing field. That, that track obviously drains amazingly well, so... Um, yeah, so we'll see how it comes up on the night, but um, I'll certainly have a good look at the track. But um, the way it's been, it's been quite firm um, in recent meetings. Not too firm, but it has been on the firmer side of a four. So um, we might get into a little bit more give um, on Wednesday night, which uh, won't be a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking at your other rides in the other feature races on the program, Brendan, both for Adam Trinder. Sort of looking back through your career, Adam isn't a, a trainer that you've done a stack of riding for, but particularly in the last couple of seasons, uh, you guys have formed a, a great partnership, a terrific strike rate. How has that sort of come about? Um, that's a good question. I think you have to ask Adam, but we, we just, I think I'd, I'd ridden for him little bits and pieces. I think he just had his riders and, and um, I just got an opportunity and got on a few and, and was lucky enough to win on them at the right time. So things fell into place um you know like anything in life if you if you get the get the luck and get the results then um you know it sort of can unfold from there so i think it was just a little bit of in the right spot at the right time to be honest well certainly uh well maybe right spot at right time but one horse that you've developed a fantastic partnership of course is bello bow uh, he's the short price favorite in the three-year-old trophy um he just, I sort of have tweeted this a couple of times after his wins, Brendan, but he, he just seems so professional the way he puts himself into races and, and looks at least to my eye that he might have a, a little bit more to, to give if he was legitimately challenged in his races down here. Yeah, look, I, I think he's, um, he obviously, 
he actually does do a bit wrong, but at the end of the day, he, he always puts himself up there on the speed, and that, that takes a lot of luck, uh, bad luck out of the equation with a horse like him. He's obviously a, a high-class horse, so um, I think um, the fact that he's been able to keep himself up out of trouble and, and the ability he's got has taken him a long way. Um, having said that, I feel as though last start, he, he's just starting to do a few things that give me the impression he is really starting to... Uh, become a racehorse and tactically uh, might be a, might add another string to his bow, which would be great to think that'll be a possibility, especially as he stretches out in trip a little bit more than just the, you know, he's been sort of exclusively up to 1,200 at this stage, so it's his first look at the 14. So, um, yeah, look, he he's, he's certainly feels the sort of horse that he's going to continue to improve to me and I do think when he does get challenged he'll, he'll certainly have something in the locker there to give um, he's sort of done it all pretty well at the moment but this is still a nice race and first test over the 1400 it'll be interesting how does he compare to some of the other gun two-year-olds that that you've ridden I mean I touched on Admiral earlier as a conquering winner but you, you've ridden some great two-year-olds Bellow Bow's racking up a win streak. Do you think he, he might potentially be something special? Yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, and he's come out, um, which is all important, in his three-year-old year, albeit quite early, but he's come out and he's um, franked the form as a two-year-old, which is great to see because they don't always do it. Sometimes you can ride really good two-year-olds that are just um, really good two-year-olds. But he's obviously um, made the step to, to three-year-old and I, I'm sure he'll continue to make the step. So, yeah, at this stage, his two-year-old year couldn't have been any better than what it was. And um, at, at this stage, um, the way he's shaping up, he's going to be a really good three-year-old and older horse, which is, um, you know, if he could develop into one of those horses that uh, can can be a good horse year after year they're, they're hard to find so he's shaping up as though he, he might be one of those rare horses absolutely it'd be great for the state if he develops into the next superstar so to speak transitioning into the two-year-old race you've got uh, thoris of Mur, uh, a first starter again for adam he rode this horse in a trial i've had a, a lot of random people just mention to me that uh, he might be pretty handy. It, it's another one that you've drawn well and, and must be pleased to have the sit on him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I trialled him uh, last start at Launceston. Um, yeah, very, very impressive trialler. Um, you know, again, it's always interesting. The first first starters are two-year-old. There's most of them in the race of first starters. And the horse of... Um, that trialled alongside him that ran second in the trial, only just beaten, trialled quite well as also. So, yeah, it'd be an interesting race. But um, I think he, he gave me the feel of a nice horse. I know Adam's got a, an opinion of him, which is always uh, good to know. He sort of legged me up thinking that he's he's a nice two-year-old. So that gives you a bit of confidence. And I'm sure he'll be able to um, take his trial form into the race on Wednesday. Well, some good chances for you on Wednesday night. I, I won't ask you which one's your best because it'll probably be difficult for you to split a few of those and you've got a first starter. But um, just more broadly, Brendan, before I let you go, I mean, you've been such a, a champion jockey for a number of years now. Your partner Imogen's a trainer. Where do you sort of see yourself heading over the next few years? Oh, look, I'll just continue to ride. You never know. Um how long you can go I've sort of already probably gone longer than I, I thought I would and the body's held up quite well apart from the odd niggling injury that that everybody gets so I mean I'll just continue to do what I'm doing I, I work with Imogen and um, she does a good job and knows what she's doing so I, I just act in a track work role there she's uh, she does a great job training the horses so yeah look I'll I'll just continue along and um like a lot of jockeys, I suppose, I've, I've given some consideration to what what might happen at the end of my riding career, but I'm still a little bit up in the air as far as that goes, to be honest. And at the moment, while things are going well, I'm just really um, putting all my efforts into riding. So I'll, for the foreseeable future, I'll continue to do that. Well, hopefully that's for as long as can be. Um, your first winner was in 1991, and I was five at that time, so you've been around Tassie racing a lot longer than me. Um, at the moment, we're seeing prize money increases, the implementation of the Tasbred scheme and a few new races appearing on the calendar. How do you see the, the status of Tassie thoroughbred racing at the moment? I think it's going along 
quite well, um, but I, I think we can't drop the ball. We always have to to look at um, improving um, consistently and, and continuously because otherwise we just do get left too far behind provincial uh, Melbourne and Sydney with their prize money is obviously um, amazing, especially in New South Wales. But, yeah, look, I, I think um, signs are there, um, especially probably the last 12 months that... Uh, Hopefully we headed in the right direction, but yeah, we can't afford to drop the ball. It's sort of one of those things. Things can change very rapidly in racing, so hopefully we can um, continue uh, on an upward trajectory for the next um, or for quite a long time. That would be great. Well said, um, Brendan. I've probably kept you for a little bit too long. Really appreciate your time and best of luck with your chances in Launceston, but also for the rest of the carnival. Great, thanks, mate. Great to have a chat with. Brendan there, Bear, and he was really accommodating with his time, touched on all his horses. He's sort of a bloke that you'd love to pick his beer, uh, pick his brain over a scotch or a beer for a few hours and, and get his thoughts on life. But um, he's got some really nice rides in Launceston on Wednesday night. You'd think he'd be leaving with multiple winners. It'd probably be a par night. Yeah, I think, uh, as I said, we're very lucky to have him on and he's been an ornament to the racing industry for over 30 years now. Um, he's one jockey that you'd love to have on any horse you, you part own. Um, and it, as you touched on, he's got some a really good set of rides tomorrow night and I'd be quite surprised if he doesn't come away with at least a double. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's transition into the Launceston program, Bear. Uh, the Conquering Stakes, of course, the feature was a race won by the little champ, the inevitable in 2021, and he is the favourite in 2022 uh rails in the true for the meeting bear pretty wet up in lonnie i think they've had more rain than we've had down south it, it came up as a six uh earlier on tuesday morning we're recording this on tuesday night forecast is a, is better on wednesday um track does drain super but i'd be surprised if it, it got into the good range i think they'll get their tart win and and kind of Brendan alluded to it when we had that chat. A bit of natural precipitation will probably only help the track to race well, and that's normally the case up in Lonnie. Yeah, I think if we're racing on a soft five, it'd be perfect. Obviously, there's not really any rain predicted tomorrow, and soft six at the moment is just a soft six at the moment, as you say. But we get into a soft soft, soft five. It's a perfect racing track, as as Brendan and a few others have touched on. That it might be a touch hard at the moment, so. Although it's been racing really fairly this season, I think tomorrow night a soft five would be perfect for everyone. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, market for the conquering courtesy of Ladbrokes, the inevitable is the $1.75 favourite in from $1.90. First accused is at $5. Uh, we're at uh, Rebel Factor and Alpine Wolf, both at eight fifty. Rebel Factor's eased from six fifty. Looking at the honour roll for this race, Bear, it's an absolute who's who of champions of, of Tassie Racing. Obviously, the inevitable one at last year, but Turak Affair, Blaze Forth, I'm Wesley, Admiral, Hell of a Street, Rebel Bride, Youthful Jack, Doubtful Jack, the great conquering himself. You, you don't win this race if you're a slouch, that's for sure. No, as you said, it's a long list of great winners. And, um, yeah, I mean, whoever wins tomorrow night will be in that same echelon as well. So I'm um, looking forward to what, your opinion is on the race. I've got my firm opinion, but you might be slightly different to me. Well, I'll, I'll start just on the map for this race. And I mentioned it when I, I spoke with Brendan, but it's a race that looks kind of devoid of speed on paper. I've got probably Dark Wander or, or First Accused leading, probably Dark Wander leading First Accused. Um, Brendan didn't seem overly keen to want to roll forward on Rebel Factor, and, and I read something from Trent Wells earlier in the week suggesting that, that that's probably going to be the case as well. They'll try and ride a bit cold. So uh, it's probably not going to be run at breakneck speed. Uh, the new market is the key leader for the race bear, and that was a handicap. This is back at weight for aid. So obviously the little fellas are a weighted special, and it's tough to argue he doesn't deserve to be dollar eighty. Yeah, obviously I'm biased because I've got a small share in him and I love the little fellow, but I was surprised that he went up a dollar ninety-five. I mean, I think his last two runs have been as good as he had has had throughout his career. And obviously they'll come up five kilos, he drops half a kilo. It's gonna be pretty hard to beat tomorrow night. 
Well, it was a dollar ninety in this race last year, which came off a bit of a an eye catching I'm back sort of run in the new market. Uh, the first four across the line last year are all in this race, so that was uh, the inevitable beating and beyond Dark Wanderer and Mandela Effect. Um, I marked the inevitable 2.30 in this race, Bear, which is maybe being a little generous, and I'm sure if Snapbet was <laughs> offering a market that we would have copped a fearful hiding putting him up in the black. <laughs> I've got a pretty strong opinion in this race too, in that there's only two horses that can beat the inevitable, their swoop dog and rebel factor. They're the two horses that are well and truly on the up in Tassie. I thought Alpine Wolf, sorry, I said swoop dog. I meant yeah, Alpine. Did. I meant You're Al- in love with swoop dog, mate. My, my subconscious <laughs> getting me. I, I mean Alpine Wolf and rebel factor. I thought the wolf was super in the new market. Well, the weight swing's obvious. He's going to go 54 to 59. Uh, Rebel Factor is the horse on the up. My gut feel with Rebel Factor is that this race has come up a little bit quick for him. I've been driving the bus and him being the next star long before he went on this win streak. Uh, I just think it, it's probably a bridge too far to go from these 68 and 76s up to 1,400 metres weight for age and, and take on the state's best. But he's untapped, so... He's a horse that might be able to upset the apple card, and I think Alpine Wolf is a little bit the same, and it was really pleasing to see him uh, prove himself in the new market. So I, I kind of marked that pair pretty aggressively. Alpine Wolf, I've got 450. Rebel Factor, I've got 650. The one I'm willing to take on here is First Accused, who's uh, $5. I just don't see how he could possibly beat the inevitable after the new market bear. He was... Blessed in the run, he had the run of the race, the gaps appeared and he, he just couldn't hold off the little champ down the outside and, and now you've got that weight swing. So I think he's running for second at best. I don't think he could beat the inevitable and I think if there's to be an upset, it's one of those two I mentioned. I'm going to have to disagree with you there, Snap. Um, I think uh, first accused form over 1,400 is first class. Uh, he's raced a Caulfield against a horse called Diagula, who then SP $4.20 against Tuvalu, who's a Group 1 winner. So I think, although First Q's had every possible the other night, I still think the Wolf had as much chance to get past him in the straight. He wasn't able to, so I think the inevitable's main danger tomorrow night is First Accused. So you had the Quinella in the new market, you have the Quinella in the concrete? Oh, <laughs> sounds too easy, doesn't it? I, look, it's hard when you've got, you know, a couple of your horses in the race and we do all owners. All owners are biased, but I'm just just on form. I just think it's a little fella's race to lose and I just think first secures out to 1,400, maps really well. Um, his pet distance is 1,400. His pet track really is Mowbray 1,400. And I just thought he, if he got a really nice run on speed, he might be hard for the little fella to get past. It's five starts at distance for four wins and a second uh, blinkers on. Do you know if that's something that's been kept up your sleeve for this race potentially? You have to ask the trainer that, mate. <laughs> Look, any horse that gets blinkers generally improves. So if you went in the same way you did last time, then you're not going to beat the inevitable. So Scotty's tinkered with things in the past and, you know, who am I to question what Scott's going to do? He took the blinkers off the inevitable, which I personally thought was madness. And then arguably he's had his two best runs he's had in three years in the last two weeks. So if Scott Brunton has decided to take the winkers off and put the blinkers on, then, you know, he's a bit of a guru, Scotty. So, yeah, if that's the difference in him getting really competitive with the inevitable, then I'm all for it. Well, we trust him. Uh, you've actually got another runner in this race that we haven't touched on, uh, the old boy Mandela Effect coming back as an eight-year-old, widely publicised. He hasn't won for a long time, but what are you hoping to see from him? He's uh, about $14 with lab breaks. Yeah, it's first up, $1,400. Um, I just said to one of the part owners, Andrew Eaton, this morning, not many horses would be running in the conquering after having a trial over the jumps in uh, May. So I thought he was probably past his best when he came back from Melbourne, but his work in recent weeks 
he hasn't had a, any official um, jump out, but his grass gallops of Hobart have been exceptional. He's actually surprised me. So um, maybe the trip away is earlier in the year is really uh, giving him a bit of a zest for life because uh, his work's been really good and he, he will run a race tomorrow night. So um, if he had any luck in running, he could certainly be running home for your first fours. One for the multiples, Mandela effect. All right, Bear, uh, we'll put you on the spot. $100 betting strategy for the conquering. You've got the wood on me. You had 60 on the inevitable. We'll give you top tote for that in the near market. So I think you're up to about 230 and I'm still on the duck. So what are we doing for the conquering? Now, you can't copy me because I know you copied me last week. <laughs> Stop shaking your head. Um Look, I hope lightning strikes twice. My daughter finished uh, kindergarten 12 months ago tomorrow. We sat out in the back with the hurricane's flag waving it around and uh, the little fella got the chocolate. So hopefully it happens again. I'm going to have my $100 on the inevitable. $100 on the inevitable. Uh, I'm not going to copy you per se, uh, but I don't want to be going home a loser if the inevitable wins the race. I'm going to have... 60 on the inevitable and $40 on Alpine Wolf. So I'm probably going to break even on the race if the inevitable wins and uh, we'll get a nice little collect on Alpine Wolf. That is Alpine Wolf for the record, not Swoop Dog. <laughs> uh, I just think he, he he might might still be anything, the Wolf. Whether he's good enough to beat the inevitable remains to be seen. I can't see, Bear. I don't know. It probably depends a little bit what happens with some of the earlier favourites come race seven. I don't think the inevitable is going to start a dollar fifty or anything like that. I mean, we've seen we touched on it last week with first accused, and the market just seems to love him. But I think there's probably enough uncertainty around some of the other runners that a dollar seventy, dollar eighty is probably the bottom you'll see for the inevitable. And I, I can't see him really bottoming it out. Do you think that's fair? Look, I think if Bellow Bow wins the race before, I reckon the little fella might get into a dollar sixty, dollar sixty-five, but um, you know, the odds don't concern me too much. I just want to see the little fella get the chocolates. Should mention he'll break a million in prize money too uh, if he wins that race tomorrow night, which is just just a magnificent achievement. What what did you pay for him from memory? I think it was a little bit, but yeah, not- so we we paid ninety plus GST, so ninety-nine, and I remember Scotty rang me. He goes, mate, I need you to help me out. I need you to help me sell some shares in this horse. And I said, mate, none of my boys are in that sort of league to want to pay that amount of money. But as it turned out, myself and Adam Upton and quite a few other guys were able to generate enough people that we had that many owners. We had to form a syndicate because there was too many, there was over 20 owners. So um, it's surprising. I reckon the fact is by Dundee, which was winning big races, sort of when a lot of ours boys were like having a really interest in horse racing and to have a horse that's by done deal was probably the main attraction. And um, it's quite funny because when, when the horse arrived at seven mile beach, I kept bringing Scott in. He wouldn't answer the phone. Would you believe it? And um, he eventually answered and he said, Oh mate, you can't come down yet. The, the horse is too small because he was too scared to, because we all wanted to go down and see this horse we'd paid all this money for. And uh, we eventually got to see him about a week later, and he's the size of a pony. So, um, yeah, we've been very – we're blessed, to be honest. Well, you knew pretty early on that you, you had something pretty special. I mean, the debut run was a bit sick in terms of the result. but uh, oh, he, Don't he, go uh, there, Snap. He, uh, he quickly got that back, and he's taking you on a wild ride. So look forward in seeing the inevitable tomorrow, and I think whatever beats him will be winning – uh, we'll take a very quick break, Bear, and we will come back and have a look at a couple of the other features in Launceston. Ladbrokes' new bet ticker now available. Watch the exclusive live feed on your Ladbrokes app and see where the big bets land. Get the down low on the download. Ladbroke Acts. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. The race before the conquering is the Steve's Liquor three-year-old trophy and... What a race this is, Bear. I mean, there was a little bit of speculation that the Bellow Bow would go to the conquering. I would have been flabbergasted if that was the case. And he takes his place here in the three-year-old trophy uh, where he needs to beat a few horses he would have seen a fair bit of at home. Bellow Bow is the dollar 
80 into $1.70 favourite with Ladbrokes ahead of stablemate Jaguar Stone at $6 ahead of another stablemate Sharma's Last at eight fifty, and then Pink Beauty is at $13. I guess we've been waiting for this for a little while, Bear. Bellow Bow's just proven that he's better than him at 1,200. We now get out to 1,400. It's a distance that the majority of this field haven't raced at. Um, where did you land in the three-year-old trophy? Do you think he just keeps winning, Bellow Bow? Yeah, I do. Um, as Brendan touched on, he's getting better with racing. He's an absolute pro. Um, I think this is probably the race of the night. I reckon this is a race that you can follow these horses well into the summer carnival, but I still think Bello Bowes, obviously the one to beat the market says that. And I love horses that just keep winning. And, you know, there's an argument that he could nearly be seven from seven. So um, I know that Jaguar Stone keeps hitting the line really well, but the uh, Bello Bow at the top of the number of the saddle cloth is just a winner and, you know, there is some nice horses, Canelian Bay, um, Mufalex, Sharma's Last, Fly to Paris. Flying to Paris was good the other week. Jaguar Stone and Pink Beauty. So there's some good horses behind him, but I just think below Bo's class. Will, I think he'll eat out the 1,400. Well, we talk about part-owning horses. So there's not many horses in this race that you wouldn't mind having a share on. This is an absolute beauty, as you say, the the three-year-old trophy. I mean, even if we took out Bellow Bow, this would be a cracking race. Uh, so we go back to the three-year-old cup. Bellow Bow led there, and he was too good. Uh, his last 200-metre sectionals on the Stride Master data, he ran home in 11.85. The only horse that was better than that was Jaguar Stone at 11.74. So Jaguar Stone was taking a little bit of ground off him late, but it wasn't panels. There's less than a length there, and... Jaguar Stone had the cushy run in behind. Bellow Bow's absorbing heat up on the speed. So to the point that you may bear, I think, oh, look, 1,400's fine for him off that three-year-old cup run. Uh, I think he can probably cross them here, Bellow Bow. I'm reading between the lines. I think Brendan doesn't necessarily think the horse needs the lead. It's just through circumstance. That's what's happened to him here. We know he jumps. He puts himself there. He'll have a look. I think Pink Beauty and Flying to Paris inside him, maybe even Alvarino are the ones that he'll probably need to cross, but I think he'll either lead or, or get one off. And and from there, he'll probably just be too good. I had him marked slightly above even money, Bellow Bow, just because I think there are some queries here um, around the stable. Mate, Sharma's last is a, is a bit of a wild card, kind of smashed the clock on debut in Devonport and, that meant that the robots went bananas when the horse jumped out in Launceston. And I think you'd probably had a heart attack if you're on him. I think he's a hard horse to line up Sharma's last from that gate there, drawn 10. Like where, where does he get to? Is he go forward or back? And and really how good is he? Yeah, it's a sticky gate, isn't it? And, and as you touched on, the field's got a heap of depth. Um, just makes it really hard, I think. Yeah, I, I'd be... Yeah, I can't come at Sharma's last in this, but I still think moving forward down the track, if it draws a lower gate in a race like the Guineas, for example, if that's the way they go in three weeks' time, then it's going to be very competitive. Yeah, it kind of creates a – this will just really set the appetite for the rest of the three-year-old races throughout the carnival. Uh, I'll put you on the spot, mate. Bellow Bow, I assume you've got on top. Who's the danger and maybe who's the value? Um, Cornelian Bay, is that around $15 still? Cornelian Bay, yeah, $16 with Ladbrokes. Yeah. I, obviously, I think Bellow Bow is the one to beat, but I just think – I think Cornelian Bay is probably going to be better suited at Hobart, but if it gets a nice run in transit, I see Jace Maskill takes over from a good gate. There's no reason he could run in the money, and, and Jaguar Stone's obviously always hitting the line well. So, um, yeah. I'm just, I've never been a real favourite punter, but I just think this fellow bow just keeps winning. So I don't want to just say another horse for the sake of it because it's value. I just think Bellow bow. And I, I think, though, the format of this race will really stand up over the carnival. So whatever runs well in this race, I think will run well through whether it's the Guineas, the Oaks, the Derby, even. Yeah, I agree. Um, Bellow bow, clearly the one to beat. Don't really want to chime in to $1.70, but don't want to lay it either. Jaguar Stone, lover as a horse. I just think 
she's going to be a better Hobart horse as well. Bear, she's kind of crabbed around the Lonnie track in the corner a few times now. And the one time she did race at Hobart, um, she really let down spectacularly. I think it was her debut. Uh, if this race was at Hobart, I'd be marking that pair a lot closer. I just think she, um, strategically she's going to be giving a position in run again and not sure Lonnie's her track jagstone, but probably looks the likeliest Quinella. Um, value for me is a horse that we kind of highlighted when we picked five runners for the for the Carnival Bear flying to Paris. I thought she was enormous uh, in the three-year-old cup. Three wide, no cover there on a, a decent speed. She comes up with a pole draw here and we saw in the three-year-old cup uh, the Bokio who drew a low marble, actually it was the pole draw there as well, just basically followed Bello Bo everywhere he goes, got the toe and ran into the minor money at any old price. Uh, I think Dharma has a look for the lead here on flying to Paris. If he gets crossed, if he's lucky enough to grab the backside of Bello Bo, well, again, just follow him everywhere he goes. And I thought at $4 a drum, uh, she's the way that I'll probably be looking to play with a tiny win, more place type of bet on flying to Paris in a race that I think is a great one to watch, maybe not the easiest punting one to make a bit of cash out of. Yeah, I agree. Nothing to add. We'll go, have a look quickly at the other feature on the program and probably not a lot to discuss here because there's not a lot that's exposed. It's the $50,000 LAFM Alpha Bowl for two-year-olds over 1,100 metres. Uh, we've had two two-year-old races so far this year. Bear, Liberty Ray won one of them, but unfortunately scratched here. And Encounter Sphere won the other one. Uh, the two horses heading the market, they were two horses that went uh, neck and neck in a trial the other week in Launceston. Thoris of Murr, uh, Adam Trinder, Brendan McCool was 220. Cairns in the Star Thoroughbred Colours, uh, Dharma Rides, Barry Campbell Trains 370. Uh, Encounter Sphere 480 and the market's not really taking any chances. The others, a pair of GGs that trot against each other, GG Tycoon and GG Hailstorm 950 and Need Sugars 850. Really hasn't been a, a fluctuation in, in this market bear, which I, I think is a little bit interesting in itself. I've had quite a few sort of random people tell me that Adam Trinder's got this smart two-year-old and and here it is, Thoris of Murr. Maybe a few punters were perhaps hoping that they might miss it and put up 3, 350 or something like that. At 220, it's probably been kept safe enough and maybe that's keeping people on their heels at the moment. Um I thought it, it it was clearly the pick of um, the trialers, and and the market says that. Are you surprised this sort of so close in the market off the trial? I am, to be honest. So I, I'm pretty mm. bullish that Thoris and Murs are, are probably a good thing here in this race. I yeah. think from what we've seen at the trials, and you, you kind of take it on face value. Um, I, I think he's easily the best two year old we've seen so far this season. I know he doesn't have race experience on his side, but with a pair of um, trials and the Trinder McCool polish, I don't think he's going to be as green as GG Gemstone or, or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I thought Cairns probably shaken up in a couple of trials. has been kept very safe, that's for sure. I'll be surprised if the fave doesn't start odds on. I think if you get a chance to go and watch the trial, you'll see how professional he was. Brennan hadn't moved. Um, the jock on Cairns was niggling him a bit. I mean, Thoras of Murr looked like a machine to me, like the way he jumped and just sat up. I mean, if he can take his trial form into the race, I I think he'll be winning this, and I'll be quite surprised if he doesn't start around the $1.60, $1.70 mark. Yeah, not sure it gets in that, sh- that short, but as I said last week, like, who could tell where the bottom is in the market with some of these horses? Uh, I marked Doris Amur at $1.80. I think based on what I've seen, he wins this race more often than not and, and probably sort of 55 60% of the time. We'll learn uh, a bit more tomorrow, though. So um, very interested to see um, what comes of, of this race. It's another one where we probably learn a little bit more. Uh, but big nine race card there tomorrow, Bear. We've touched on all the features where probably the favourites pick themselves. Did you find any more value in any of the sporting races? Just a little bit in the last. I thought uh, race nine, number seven, I'm so cool, might strip a bit fitter. Um, it sat in the 1-1 first up this time, and it probably condition gave out. And I noticed now T, it's it's been transferred down to Seven Mile Beach for the last uh, 
three weeks. So I think that might improve tomorrow night. Dave will just need a little bit of luck from the barrier, but it's around seven or eight dollars, and you can probably back it each way. So that's sort of the value I found on the card. Yeah, it was um, sort of drifted like an absolute barge first up on So Cool. So I kind of subscribed to a similar theory to you that um, maybe that horse needed the run. Uh, pretty keen on Nostra Bill, me in the maiden class one over 2,100. I think this horse is racing really well, just been back and wide in, in races that haven't really suited that rate shape. Uh, I think the horse is looking for 2,100. Liam Reardon, interestingly, gets the ride, visors off, winkers on. I did see a, a tweet earlier just before we recorded, Bear, that there's a few Brendan McShane runners, of which this is one, and, and Stable Main American Jewels another, that are going to be tried to be ridden a little bit closer in this race. So looking for one that comes from a different form line outside the race won by Rusty Charm a fortnight ago, which was really a, a bit of a raffle. I think Nostra Bill's a horse that, that might be on the up and racing in good form. So kill on him each way at $7 in. And in what I thought was the hardest race of probably the night, which is race five, uh, did mind Lady Joker here. I was lucky enough to get the cash on her two starts ago at Lonnie on the quick backup from Devonport last Friday, where she was back in a race run to suit the leaders. I uh, thought at double figures has been nibbled in a little bit from 15, but still a bit of value there for Jay Maskill, who's got a pretty strong book for his return back to Lonnie Bear. Yeah, it's good to have Jace back, obviously very good jockey and um, hopefully continues to come home over the carnival. Look forward to seeing him at the track and hopefully can boot home a few winners for the punters. All right, looking forward to a terrific night of racing in Launceston Bear, but uh, other than do our best to try and pretend we know what we're talking about with racing, we dabble in all other aspects of life and we'll do so again, starting with Bear's Brief. Let me be very simple this week. Um, I think guys like yourself, Peter Staples, Duncan Dornoff, do a really good job of promoting the uh, industry, giving us plenty of content, but I, I think and wish that the mainstream media should get on board a little bit more. Unfortunately, whenever there's any racing news in the media, it's from an, um, a negative aspect. And I just think the way our summer carnival is shaping up that there is an opportunity to showcase all the good things about our racing industry. Um, you know, obviously I understand the Jack jumpers are our main focus and I love the Jack jumpers and what they've done for the state the big bash Hobo hurricanes is about to start and obviously they're going to get a fair bit of media time as well. But I think there's an opportunity to really showcase the positivity out of the racing industry. I mean, during the footy season, there's always plenty of content on the news um, about the TSL, which I also think is a great product, but I just think there's an opportunity for the, the main sports reporters down here to really get around Barry Campbell, Adam Trinder, Scott Brunton, be on track, um, showcasing the uh, magnificent animals that we have racing in Tasmania at the moment. Well, the storylines kind of write themselves out of a meeting like this, don't, don't they? I mean, the inevitable chance to to crack a million in prize money. Bello Bow is unbeaten in Tassie and, and Adam Trinder with the three sort of popular picks in that race. I guess it's that kind of stuff that you'd love to see on the, the nightly bulletin, wouldn't you? Yeah, and as I look, I haven't seen anything on the news after the new market win of the inevitable. I don't know if you did, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm not sure. I'd like to think so, but um, yeah, it might have sort of just unfortunately slipped under the radar. Yeah, and you know, going forward, I mean, we're going to have a magnificent meeting at Hobart in three and a half weeks' time, which arguably one of the most competitive guineas that we've had in years. Um, you know, the, there's obviously the wait for age race as well. And one of the, is it the summer cup on that meeting or the Brighton cup? Oh, yeah, it's I one think of it's bright, Brighton then summer, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, there's a chance to showcase what some, all the good things about racing is. And obviously racing gets a bad whack in the, in the mainstream media. I think it'd be great to have one of the journos jump on board and paint the racing industry in a positive light, which it is. Yeah, no, well said. We'll keep banging the drum to to try and make sure that occurs. Uh, Snapping special this week, just kind of a, a little bit of a, a plug for a couple of things that are happening uh, across 
all three racing codes. I appreciate this is a thoroughbred podcast, Bear, but uh, Taz Racing Form Plus tipping is about to kick off. Round one will open on Thursday ahead of the Group 1 Ladbrokes Hobart 1000 Greyhounds. It's tri-code, includes the Hobart and that Guineas meeting that you were talking about, the Hobart Cup and the the Guineas meeting as far as thoroughbred go, grand finals on Lossessie Cup Day, free to enter, $10,000 $10,000 up for grabs that you can win a share in. And SEN Survivor, who are great partners of Taz Racing and this podcast, uh, they've also got a Survivor contest on the Hobart 1000 and they'll be doing the same for Devonport, Hobart and Launceston Cups where there's three grand up for grabs. So free to enter. I know there's a lot of people out there that that love their racing and aren't necessarily big punters. And it, it goes to show you don't necessarily need to be. A lot of people don't like sticking their hand in their pocket and have a trouble with gambling. I know sort of the, the two go hand in hand, but it's not necessarily the, the case for everyone. And, and contests like these, I think, engage a different racing audience, um, keep people involved with the product without necessarily needing to tip their hand in the pocket. So keep an eye on the Taz Racing socials for SEN Survivor and Form Plus Tippy and hopefully you can have a feel. It's 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 funny, mate. Like I, every now and then I go on the Durham Park tipping competition and it's worth a small amount of money, but it's just like the pride if you actually happen to win it. So I suppose the SEN Survivor competition is something very similar. Like you don't really have to – we don't put your money in your pocket, but – it give you a little bit of your ego, a little bit of a stroke if you were able to uh, win the cash. And obviously it's a substantial amount of money. So um, as you said, just keep your eye out for, on the socials on how to enter and cost nothing to enter. And it's a bit of fun as well. Get involved. That's for sure. Uh, we're next going to record Bear ahead of the Sheffield Cup meeting, uh, which is next Friday week in Devonport. But we're also racing in Hobart on Sunday uh, very strong nominations, 136 spread across an eight-race program. Winsenberg's the headline where we see a few horses coming via the new market and maybe keeping themselves ticking over ahead of the Ladbrokes carpet charge bear. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, to, they'll be wrapped with the uh, the nominations that they've received. Um, that's a cracking race, the Winsenberg. I see Liffy Bow. I mean... <sighs> I know he's old and he's nine years of age, but his run in the new market was unbelievable. Um, so you think he'd be hard to beat. I see Algernon is down to resuming the minimum. He loves Hobart and he's got to be a chance, but there's a fair bit of depth to this race, so it's really exciting. Yeah, it's a beauty. So we'll cover that in our review on, on next week's pod. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening and it's been another big show but a a lot to cover Bear best of luck to you and and everyone that's listening for what shapes to be one of the real highlights of the the whole carnival I suspect yeah thanks Snap yeah as as we touched on before I think the three year old race is the race of the night and I think whatever happens in that race tomorrow night I think if you follow those horses you'll be getting some winners in the coming months